The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to turn your customers into a marketing channel. Joining us is Kirsty Sharman, who is the founder of Referral Factory, which empowers companies of any size to perform digital transformation by being able to build and run powerful referral programs. Referral Factory uses an easy-to-use platform that helps brands finally maximize their most underutilized sales and marketing channel, their own customers. And today, Kirsty and I are going to talk about why referral marketing is the next big thing for marketers. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Kirsty Sharman, founder of Referral Factory. Kirsty, welcome to the Martech Podcast. Great. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on the show. Excited to talk a little bit about how to make the most out of our customer relationships. You know, as marketers, we think a lot about finding our customers. We think a lot about conversion rate optimization. And I feel like maybe the most overlooked marketing channel is what do you do once your customers have converted? Often we start thinking about, well, we should try to get them to buy more. And a lot of marketers aren't thinking about, well, let me take all the goodwill that I've built and turn that into a marketing channel. Talk to me a little bit about why referral marketing is A, overlooked, and B, why it shouldn't be. I think just in light of what you were talking about, about your customers sort of being your biggest asset, I believe, as a business. And, you know, as someone who comes from a long line of having companies and being an entrepreneur, I always remember there were kind of two things and I needed to either get my revenue up or get my profit up. And it was either go find new customers or it was get more value out of your current customers. And often for me as an entrepreneur, I found it easier to get more value from my current customers. And Yet, as a marketer at that point, I was being hired to consult to brands, to help them grow. And the main objective was always, how can we just get a high volume of new customers in the door? And something we really noticed was, if you really want to drive sustainable growth, what the important thing for you to do is to get like, high quality customers. So customers that spend more, customers that are likely to refer other friends, customers that tend to retain longer. And the way that you do that is you get customers in the door that are from a trusted source. So, Christy, what do you mean by a trusted source? A trusted source is, let's say you and me, Ben, are friends, and we have the same interests, we like the same things, we see each other on the weekend. If you're looking for a new insurance policy, for example, are you more likely to trust me 
or are you more likely to trust the results you find on the first page of Google? It depends what we're doing on the weekends. <laughs> Sorry, I took you off track there. I That's understand fun. what you're saying yeah. in the sense of, look, if you, if you know, like, and trust a person, you're likely to take their recommendation. And I think the caveat there is we might be friends. And as much as I joke around it, hey, look, if we're drinking buddies, are you the person that I'm necessarily going to trust to talk about insurance? Or am I going to trust somebody who sells insurance and actually knows the different programs? I would say you're more than likely going to trust the person that you might be drinking with on the weekend, but you choose to spend time with because they have no ulterior motive. And usually they are referring a product they already use. So for me, I would trust you because I know if you're paying that company money every single month, they must provide a good service. If I'm talking to a sales guy, I know he's getting a commission. So, and this really is stemmed from the rise of the internet over the last decade and more fake reviews, more content online, more podcast shows, more recommendations, more ad channels. Like if you almost look at how many ads consumers were getting 10 years ago and how many ads they're getting now, it's exuberantly more. I'll push back a little bit on that. I think you can trust the podcast host. <laughs> podcast hosts for sure. All right. Getting aside again, forget me being serious today. It's just not going to happen. I understand what you're saying is, look, there are certain people that you trust. You probably spend a lot of time with them. If they're going to make a recommendation, it's at least something that's going to stick in your head. Most likely it's going to be somebody that you trust because hopefully you're hanging out with people that you actually believe are decent human beings and good decision makers. Maybe that's not the case for all of us, and maybe that depends on what age you are. You mentioned before that one of the things you should be doing is trying to get more out of your customer relationships. And it's funny because I think of, you know, kind of different business models being different types of customer values. If I'm looking at an e-commerce business that sells impulse purchases, fast fashion, t-shirts, relatively impulsive buys, $25 products. I need a high volume of buyers and maybe I'm not getting a lot of repetition, but I'm kind of churning and burning and finding a bunch of people that might be interested in this one product. If I'm selling a $100,000 retainer B2B SaaS license and services contract, there are fewer people that I'm going to be reaching out to. So the marketing strategies and tactics are drastically different. So does referral marketing only work when you're talking about insurance, when you're talking about the larger ticket products, or is it something that you see being applied to the smaller B2C impulse purchase brands? So we've obviously run hundreds of campaigns just in the last month through our platform. And we do see referral programs both on the B2C side and the B2B side. But I think I can give you a little bit of insights into where they are get their highest performance. So things like insurance, uh, real estate, anything in the finance sector for us, services industries, for example, recommending a plumber or an electrician, activities that people do together, for example, sports, fitness, et cetera. Those I think would probably be the categories that perform the best with referral programs. I would generally say that pretty much all the campaigns that are running through our platform are getting some version of referrals. Some will just be higher than others. I do think the first example you gave, which is the e-commerce store that is making sales once off to users, doesn't have necessarily a lot of retention in their business and they are just appealing to new customers all the time, where they might get a burst of referrals as if they, for example, go back to all their customers. If they have a large database of customers, to say you have 
you know, 10,000 customers on your database. And those 10,000 customers all have 500 connections between Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and their friends. That burst initially just to run a promotion, for example, you got to think if they go and promote your product to all their friends, it's essentially just like a media channel. Like you would pay Facebook to run an ad and you'll pay for a certain amount of impressions. You can get those impressions through people as well. But generally, I would say that the always on more sustainable referral programs that generate leads that convert and continue to do so over time, where they're starting to get some referrers that will even refer two to three people a year, that tends to be more in sectors that demand a lot of trust for a purchase. So you would need less trust for a $20 purchase because if it doesn't work out, it's kind of fine. But you would need a lot of trust based on who you would buy your pension from. So let's walk through the math here. What I'm thinking is if you have a large database, you have 100,000 customers, a really big database for a relatively low price point item. Now you can go and you can probably buy an acquisition for less than $25 if your product costs $25. So let's say you're spending $20. That's what your CPA is. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Help me evaluate comparing the ROI which on a $20 CPA, $25 purchase, you're making $5 on 20. Uh, that's a 25% ROI if I'm doing the math right. Sorry, everybody, if I'm screwing it up. How do you think about figuring out what your ROI is when you're running a referral program? Starting with what your current cost for acquisition is, is a great place. Like some companies choose to not introduce referral programs. They might be able to get really cheap leads or Facebook, for example. So it works in most sectors, but not in all. But a great place to start is how much is your reward going to be to the user? And the price point for that is what is your current acquisition cost? So if you are paying $20 for that acquisition cost anyway, remember you will only be issuing the reward once you get a purchase or once you get a sale. So exactly the same way that if you run ads on Facebook and you run cost per conversion ads, you only pay for conversion. A lot of people don't really understand that a referral program is very similar to a degree. 
you have to pay for a license or a software to build it, our starter package is 75 euro a month or $95. It's not huge. Your biggest cost is going to be in the rewards that you issue to your users, but you're only paying out those rewards on success. So it's virtually risk-free in many ways. You just have your base fee in order to set up your referral program on whichever software you decide to use. But I would say we work out the cost per acquisition. It's exactly the same metrics as you would use on any other marketing channel. Now, where brands can get really, really smart is if they can give away a reward. So for example, if the value of your conversion on Facebook is say $20 and you want to give a $20 reward to your user, it's exactly the same. But what you can do is give away things like maybe you give away a $20 t-shirt that only costs you $15 to buy. So where we see a lot of our customers kind of getting ahead with their referral programs is giving rewards that are of a certain value that they then are buying in bulk for less and then obviously just making that margin on it. And essentially what that actually does is give them a cheaper acquisition cost in their other channels. I understand the ROI calculation. How do you start to compare whether you should be running a referral program or doing customer acquisition activities? It seems like you have to build the base to use the base as marketing. When do you start to think about trading off from getting the customers to turning your existing customers into new ones? I think this just largely depends on how much capacity do you have. I know, especially when your business is small, often you maybe don't have all the resources to set up a referral program. It's really easy these days, but it still requires a bit of work. But I would generally say that a referral program is, if you want to compare it to anything, I would more likely compare it to SEO, actually, because what happens is it compounds over time. If you're a small business and you've only just started out and say you have 10 customers, your 10 customers only have the ability to refer. It's going to take a while for it to compound. 90% of your leads you want to be driving from Facebook and Google. And then over time, as your base gets bigger, you want to start asking for more referrals and then you'll be able to reduce your budget on those other channels. But that's kind of why I say the referral programs we've put into companies probably started out as their smallest acquisition channel 18 months ago. And now 18 months later, it's now their largest acquisition channel. But it took time for it to grow because it had to repeat. You had to bring customers in, repeat the process, invite them to refer. And by the way, customers that come in via a referred channel are much more likely to refer other friends. So it almost kind of works on itself. So talk to me about the value of the customers. When you're acquiring a customer, they're a net new customer, they've gone through some sort of a discovery process. Do they perform better than the referred customers or are the referred customers so sold on what you're already offering because their friends are using it that they end up being better customers? There's a lot of statistics around this that have been done by various institutions. On our blog on Referral Factor, we've also published a lot of these statistics, but there is a lot of data that shows referred customers buy sooner, spend more, and stay longer, and also are more likely to refer other friends. So the quality of the customer that you bring in, we've actually run tests. We've taken two segments of customers. These ones are referred, these ones are not, measured it over 12 months. And there is actually a statistic from a German bank who did this, who found that referred customers tend to be 16% more profitable. And that's due to the fact that they stay longer, they spend more, they're more likely to buy secondary products, they're more likely to buy sooner. But you also mentioned the word conversion when we were talking, and that's really where we've seen the big impact actually in a lot of these companies where we're implementing referral programs is we kind of have gotten used to relatively low conversion rates in marketing and sales. Of the leads that come in, maybe 10% convert into customers or 20%. And if you're a really good business, 30%. 
what we find is customers that come in or leads that come in via a referred source, we often see conversion rates over 50%, so 50, 60, 70. And the reason is because they're often not shopping around. They're not going onto two websites or three websites and requesting more information. They're just using the one that their friend told them to use. So the conversion rates, like we had a company that sells pensions in the UK. They ran a really successful referral program in February. They had a 70% conversion rate of people who signed up to apply to get a pension and actually converted into a paying customer. Now, the conversion rate on Google, I think, was 12%. So that was a huge difference. But they did have quite a large base to start from of customers that they could ask to refer their friends. As much as I pose the question of what's better, acquired customers or referred customers, I don't think that the people listening to this podcast would say it's a stretch to assume that customers that have a referral from a trusted source are going to end up having a higher trust with your brand and therefore be a better customer. I think that referral marketing is an incredibly powerful channel, but the problem often can be figuring out not only when to offer the referral to the existing customer, but also what the offer should be and distributing that offer to the right person at the right place or the right time, just like any other marketing channel requires a little art, and a little science. So we're going to bring Kirsty back to continue to talk about some of the technologies and best practices of referral marketing over the next couple of days. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Kirsty Sharman, founder of Referral Factory. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Kirsty and I are going to talk about the referral marketing tech stack. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Kirsty, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter. Her handle is Kirsty Carrot, K-I-R-S-T-Y-C-A-R-R-O-T. Or you can visit her company's website, which is referral-factory.com. It's R-E-F-E-R-R-A-L-factory.com. Just one more link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.